Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The Links and Locks Podcast. Podcast. Better than most. Better than most. Better than most. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner. <laughs> You got real talent. Don't concentrate on golf. Hello, you beautiful degenerates, and welcome to Links and Locks, the Action Network's golf betting podcast presented by Bet365. This week, we'll be previewing the Valspar Championship at the Copperhead Course at Innisbrook Resort, just north of Tampa Bay in Palm Harbor, Florida. I'm your host, Roberto Arguello, and I'm excited to be joined as I am every week by Nick Brettwish. He's at Sticks Picks with an X on Twitter. And you can also find, um, and we're also joined this week by Spencer Aguiar, who is at Tiof Sports on Twitter as well. Welcome in, gentlemen. Excited to keep it rolling this week at the Valspar. Let's get it started with your best bets. And Spencer, we'll get it going with you first. Who you got? So I'm going to go to the bet 365 top 20 portion of the market. And I'm going to take Steven Yeager at plus 280 this week. All right. So take so Spencer's taking a shot on Jaeger. What about you, Nick? I absolutely love that play. I'm a I'm a Jaeger guy as well this week, but I'm gonna go back to the well with guy that keeps breaking my heart, Will Gordon, top 40 at plus 130. Okay. Will Gordon is someone we're gonna have a, a discussion on later. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna go, I'm getting <laughs> ugly this week with some of my plays. I'm gonna go with Kevin Roy, top 40 plus. 400 as my best <laughs> that was going to be my other one so no i'm way. glad you went with that yeah that's my boy i love kevin Roy. all right well spencer let's jump into your best bet first why are you going with steven yeager top 20 so yeager's a golfer that's experiencing massive win equity in my model when i run this tournament for upside uh, it's one of the reasons i decided to also bet on him to come top 10 top five and to win the event but it was the recalculated strokes gain totals that my model uncovered to mimic this course that intrigued me most. So I always talk about this, but my baseline outputs on a generic course had him 29th in this field in expected production. We saw that jump to eighth when recalculating the data for this specific event. I think when you add that to his top 20 returns for total driving, uh, par three average, a couple other things that came into the mix, it's easy to understand why my data believes Jaeger might be the best long shot on the board if you're shooting for the moon and trying to locate the eventual winner from outside of 50 to 1. Now, the thing with that is for a top 20, we don't necessarily need all that upside, but this is my preferred way to back him. Like Nick and I were talking about this earlier. 
there's some semblance of an opportunity to try to back him in the top 40 market, you know, on, on maybe about like plus 110, depending on where you find it. But I think betting for the pure upside on a lot of these plays this week is actually my preferred route to go. Uh, just because of the floor that's presented mixed with the upside that I believe that Jaeger has. Like, I'm going to shoot for the moon on it. All right. And with not a ton of elite players in the field this week, those elite players also aren't in the best form. So who knows? This could be the week where a long shot hits. Nick, what do you think about Will Gordon in the top 40 market this week? Yeah, just like you said, there's not a lot of elite players in this field. He grades out as a top 20 ball striker. Um, in my numbers overall, I expect him to finish in, within the top 20 in greens regulation. Um, the downside about his game is something that worries me with the the short game around the green, all the strokes that he loses there. If he could just manage that or hit a bunch of greens like my model thinks he will, I think that he's a walking top 40 this week. It's always going to be volatile with him, though. We see him go low, then we shoot him. I think he shot an 80 at the API one yeah. round. Um, so it, it's going to be interesting, but he grades out as one of the best expected ball strikers for me within 150 to 200 with is a distance that my numbers seem to like a lot. Just looking at the course history of Innisbrook and things like that, he can shape the ball and both, um, you know, fade and a draw. So I think that matters here a lot because it's more of a target golf style golf course. But again, if he could just manage his way around the green and scramble, somewhat solidly I, I think he'll hit enough greens that he can stay inside the top 40 in this field not a lot of players who are great at everything this week who have palatable numbers and so that's why I think a lot of us are going to be saying if this guy can just hang on around the greens or on the putting yep. greens we'll have a chance this week and I'm going to echo that by my Nick or by my Kevin Roy top 40 play plus 400 Kevin Roy is a guy who profiles really well this week on approach for me and specifically over 150 yards and in the longer ranges. He's really solid. Overall, he's 20th in strokes gained approach so far this season. But if you look at a key demarcation of 100 yards, inside 100 yards, he's 173rd in proximity of roughly 225 players in the PGA Tour. But inside, but outside of 100 yards, he is sixth on the tour in proximity. So this week, shots are going to be emphasized outside of 150 yards and specifically in the 175 to 200 yard range. And then there are five par threes this week, which is unique on the PGA tour. And all of those par five or par threes are going to be playing at least 195 yards. So I want guys who are really strong on their long irons. And Roy is exactly that. He yeah. does rank outside the top 200 in putting strokes game this year, but I think that's being held down by his first three events where he was absolutely horrific. He's bounced back and he's gained strokes on approach in six straight track tournaments. A couple of those were courses with multi or tournaments with multiple courses, however. So didn't necessarily mean he was getting every round, but four and four of those tournaments, the last four um, most far away in time, he missed the cut, but he's made the cut in his last two tournaments, both top 33 finishes T29 at Honda T33 in a weaker field at Puerto Rico. But He's got some forward momentum, and he's really strong with the irons. It's not a super strong field, so I'll play him conservatively to finish in the top 40 at plus 400. Don't think he's got a chance to win. Uh, maybe a first-round leader bet at some absurd odds might be worth the tiniest, tiniest of sprinkles, but I like him in the top 40 market. Before we get into any more bets, Spencer, you want to give us a quick breakdown on the course this week? 
Yeah, before I even get into the course and exactly what we should be expecting, I, I do think it's essential to note that while Innisbrook is geologically located in the Sunshine State, the tangible feel of the property should give us a much different style of golf than we've seen over the past few weeks. We will still have that overseeded texture on these greens since we are dealing with dormant Bermuda, but the difference between this venue and other Florida tracks stems from the tree-line essence of the layout. We have these 24-yard average fairways and three-inch thick rough, which might even be a little bit more for this event that will condense the grounds into this compact off the tee test. And we see all that highlighted by the fact that driving length is removed from everyone's repertoire. Golfers are going to be required to work the ball in both directions. And then the reduced layups sneakily add hidden distance to the track that we might not get up front. Um, I hate using this example and I've been using it every single time this week because I can't exactly figure out how else to explain this, but think of a Pete Dye concept in a non-Pete Dye setting. That's kind of what we get this week with the force layups and everything that comes into play there. Uh, 74 bunkers and numerous water hazards are littered throughout the property. And then it's just one of those venues that demands a complete tee to green skill set for those that find success. That's going to include long iron proximity, good drive percentage and quality short games. Although there are a lot of quirky stats that I modeled this week that I typically wouldn't in a normal situation. And I'm hoping that that's the differentiator for me of how I built my model compared to some people. And Spencer, I'll add that, I believe you said three inch rough. The tournament people were mad that the rough wasn't as long as they wanted it last year. So I believe they made it it's even like longer. It's like three and a, yeah. Yeah, three and three quarters inches this week. Yeah. Uh, so still a significant penalty for missing the fairways. Uh, with that in mind, who are your outright plays this week? So I'm going to take a a couple players here. And, and I want to start this by saying, when we look at the win equity choices on this board, and I'm going to give you the top of the board exactly how I have it. <clears throat> I won't give the exact number to save some time. But uh, Justin Thomas, Sam Burns, Jordan Spieth, Matthew Fitzpatrick, Adam Hadwin, and Justin Rose in some order with Thomas being at the top there. I decided to skip that group and hope that the winner lands elsewhere. So I ended up starting my card on Brian Harmon at 40 to one. You know, Nick, I, I know you've been proven right about this almost every week that Harmon has no win equity with these performances we have seen. However, it goes back to a statement that I make pretty much every week that oftentimes books over adjust on performances on all end of the spectrum. When we look at recent data, I know the current form looks troubling when we dive into the 2023 season that has yelled yet to yield a top 15 finish, but there are two main points to this argument that I want to make very quickly. So one, it is being priced into the equation here, in my opinion, I don't think we would have gotten a 40 to one and two, most of those venues were not conducive to Harmon finding success early in the year. You could probably argue that the Sony open, maybe the American express were the stout opportunities that he had. But I almost want to throw all of the recent stuff out the window because those were more driver-friendly tests that were going to emphasize distance in a lot of those West Coast tournaments that he played. Um, I think more of the win equity that we're looking for is these or would be these venues to where driving accuracy matters for him. And maybe you remove some of that short iron proximity from the mix with him, which is where he's been uh, struggling with recently. So I took him at 40 to 1. I number grabbed this other one on Monday, and this is going to go back to the Steven Yeager thing. I don't want to talk about him too much since I've already given a breakdown on him, but really comes down to the recalculated strokes gain total metric that I ran. I took Taylor Moore at 75 to one. That number's also dropped a little bit, but 
you know, if you're telling me I can still find a number above 50 to one on a golfer that's been trending with five top 40 finishes in his pack six starts, I'm going to bet on those top 15 totals of win play, total driving and recent strokes gain numbers. And then the last one that I guess this is my Will Gordon, or if you want to say this is my new Webb Simpson, I took Alex Smalley at a hundred to one. Smalley has regressed some statistically from the expectations my model had for him in the fall. I think everybody knows how aggressive I was touting him earlier in the year. Similar concept with Aaron Wise, which it seems to have gone south there. But the really interesting thing with Smalley that I've noticed is some of the statistics that my model did not like, which would be the par five scoring in the around the green play. He's actually been producing better in those stats and worse in the areas that I would be expecting. So if you're telling me that maybe the long iron play, we talked about, you know, over 65% of shots coming from 150 plus yards here. Um, if the around the green play has gone from a total that's outside the top 100 of this field to inside the top 40, I think that combination might actually be conducive for Smalley to find success. Um, and it's just kind of adds to the ball striking to all of that. And if he can make some birdies here, I think that there's more upside that might meet the eye. Get to some of those players that I mentioned when we get to the placement market also, but going to be a reduced card. Like the two names that I wanted to find a way on would have been Justin Thomas, not going to get there at sub 10 to one. Adam Hadwin would be the same equation. Maybe those are in tournament wagers that I would be looking for. I did the same thing with Patrick Cantley last week uh, to where I added him. I kind of feel like I got the raw end of the, the battle there with it. I thought he struck the ball really well and just never made a putt, but probably do the same thing here with Hadwin Hadwin and Thomas and go from there. I was also very intrigued by Hadwin and Thomas and was really disappointed in Hadwin's opening number being yeah. sort of short. Uh, Thomas, I didn't expect to get a good number this week, but I believe he's got no finishes outside the top 25 so far this year on tour. So it's been strong for him, even though he hasn't really been in the thick of it in contention. Nick, who you got on your outright card this week besides Stephen Yeager? Uh, I went with Wyndham Clark, going back to the well on Wyndham Clark. And KH Lee is someone I'm going to buy low on. I think this course fits the KH Lee that we're used to backing uh, perfectly, but his form obviously has been a little bit sketchy. So I think that's why we see an inflated number on KH Lee. I also like Robbie Shelton at 90 to 1. Shelton, I believe, has. Finished inside the top 20 in two out of his last four events. He grades out extremely well for those long irons that I'm looking for. Will Gordon, same thing. I don't need to talk about him, but my favorite outright bet this week is Steven Yeager. Spencer already talked about him a bunch, so I don't really want to steal a thunder. Um, but really wasn't interested in Justin Rose. If I was looking for someone a little shorter, I couldn't find a number that I liked. I would have liked to get the opening number, I believe, Um some of the books out there open 27 to one that is long gone. I missed it. So in terms of live betting, someone I'm looking to grab, I think this is a perfect course for Justin Rose in a field that I think he could certainly win. Um, if Justin Thomas doesn't walk away with it, which my numbers seem to think that he's by far the best golfer in this field as well. We've talked about Jason day at length in this podcast, as well as Ricky Fowler, but Justin Rose, another guy who has a major championship an elite player on the tour for a lot of the 2010s, who's really resurging i believe he also was number one in the world already has a win this year and maybe he keeps going with another weaker field this week i'm gonna go also with spencer's guy taylor moore he's out there at 70 to 1 on bet 365 spencer touched on a lot of the reasons why i like him putters his biggest strength also which we've seen bermuda burns come through with his strong putter on this course last the last two years uh but taylor moore also 
we mentioned Adam Hadwin as a player who's won at this event and a player that we're interested in this week, probably in the live market. Taylor Moore profiles very similarly to Adam Hadwin before Hadwin won this event in 2017. I was, I know um, Nick and Spencer, you guys have talked about looking at the guys who won this event and their form before this event. And I thought there were a lot of similarities between Hadwin in 2017 and more now. So I'm going to play him in that market. I'm not playing him in any other markets. I've also got Justin Suh. I can't quit it with Justin Suh. I bet him top 40 was my best bet last week. He finished T6. Also had a little bit of an escalator on him. So I got a little bit Justin Suh money. And I like this guy a lot. 37 to 1 right now out there on bet 365. And he's got 11 straight made cuts. He's gained on approach in five straight events. Around the green is his biggest weakness, but he gained 1.3 strokes around the green last week at a really tough place to be positive in strokes gained around the green at a significant number. And if that's his biggest weakness, maybe he can keep it going this week. And Spencer, you mentioned this is kind of a Pete Dye S course and non Pete Dye um, surroundings. And he's an elite player up on the greens we mentioned, but his length is the one issue for Saw. But this week, that's not as much of an issue. So I'm going to take a chance on a guy who I think has higher upside than a lot of his peers in that higher 30s to one territory this week in the outright market. So just those two plays for me, um, but we'll let it ride. Guys, any thoughts on each other's outright plays that we like or don't like? I do want to mention on stuff for a second, just because I'm looking at my numbers right here. So this is just taking the players that are in the field this week. He's 116th in strokes gained around the green. That's kind of what you were alluding to a second ago, Roberto. But, you know, for whatever it's worth over his last 24 rounds, he's jumped up to 47th in this field. I think if you're telling me that he can be a top 50 around the green player with the way that he is able to putt, I, I think his putting acumen, I, I would not be shocked. And this is like a very big statement I'm going to make. I would not be shocked if Justin Sub within the next five years leads the PGA Tour in strokes game putting one of these seasons. I, I think he's that sort of an elite mm -hmm. player, specifically from distance. Like I've made the example before that he reminds me a lot of Jordan Spieth from outside of 20, 25 feet to where he runs or walks in these putts better than most players there. And uh, kind of like you talked about, Roberto, if you remove length from the equation on a course, uh, obviously becomes much more upside driven in these events. And you know, there's a reason why he was the most heralded corn fairy player coming into this season in a lot of people's books. And I don't know if we necessarily got that upside from him over the first couple of months, but we're certainly getting it now with not only made cuts, but also he's competing in these tournaments. So I couldn't get there on him, but I also think there's a lot of safety that he possesses with some unknown upside. And uh, that always intrigues me from an outright perspective when we don't know what some of these kids are going to mature into with their games and i mean if you tell me justin sell was to win this event i wouldn't be shocked even though it's not a ticket that i punched and so i'll kick off our placement market bets right here with justin saw i logged this in my notes yesterday justin saw on the bet 365 player market bets 40th or better at minus 120 but that's moved all the way to uh 38th or better so i did find a top 40 on another book at minus 125 so you can either play that or the top 30 or 38th or better at minus 120, whichever one you feel better about or have access to. Uh, as you mentioned, I feel like that putter gives him a really high floor. And even though the around the green numbers aren't great, the putter can bail him out in certain instances as well. So I think yeah. it kind of works in his favor there. Yeah, I, I would agree with you on that. I think anytime that you can put a putter in his hand, he's going to obviously exude more upside than 
we would see on a given week with it. So I, I mean, I think it's an intriguing bet. Spencer, any other uh, player market bets that you have this week? So I kind of stuck to bet three, six, five exclusive in the way I did it. Um, you know, I, I've been giving a lot of top 40 plays recently, and I'm not so sure. That's not how I got into the space doing it. Like one of the ways that I used to do it is I would bet top 20s. Um, I would try to bet a little bit more on the upside that I was getting. I didn't like how I kept finding myself in these positions and I've been profitable doing it the last two years. Like, I don't want to say that this has been bad, but kind of with these markets becoming more difficult to beat, I didn't want to keep finding myself in these positions to where I was taking these plus 135, plus 140 plays on players like Taylor Montgomery to come top 40 and then watching him shoot seven over over the last four holes to lose that bet. So I decided to bet a little bit more on the upside of all these players that I took and every single one of these wagers that I'm going to mention can be found on bet three, six, five, but um, obviously Jaeger, like I talked about at plus two eighty, I took Taylor Moore at plus three twenty, Nick Taylor at plus three thirty three, Tyler Duncan plus three thirty three, and then Alex Smalley plus four hundred. Once again, those are going to all be top twenty bets. And then I moved it a little bit more up the market in some of these bets. So I took Jaeger at six to one to come top ten, Taylor Moore seven and a half to one to come top ten, and Alex Smalley nine to one to come top ten. And then I rounded it out with Jaeger at 12 to one and more at 16 to one to come top five. It's just going to be a really heavy card for me this week with Jaeger and more. Obviously, if one of those two guys can get themselves into contention or win this tournament, now all of a sudden we're talking about, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15 unit sort of weeks here with really at the end of the day, very minimal risk that I'm taking on. But I'm going to go that route here. I highly considered Robbie Shelton to come top 40. Um, you know, I think Nick Taylor maybe is a little bit more volatile than I wanted to come top 20. And then the other bet that I looked at was Brian Harmon to come top 20. I don't know. I didn't get there on any of those other plays, but I think there's some intriguing placement bets out there. I like it. A full card from you a lot that you like in some of those escalators. So I think it's yeah. a good week to go with upside, especially with the lack of elite players playing near their ceilings. Nick, how about you this week? I love Spencer's card. I just want to say that I think it's going to be a monster week for him. It it's it hasn't been the year that we both wanted so far to start the year. I think this is when Spencer goes absolutely nuts. So I'm tailing all of those plays. I love everything with Jaeger, um, Taylor Moore. I believe Spencer was nice enough to trade to me in season long <laughs> fantasy, so I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, I did punch a ticket on Robbie Shelton top forty. I got plus one forty there. I think that number's still out there. I took a little bit of a dart throw on Henrik Norlander. I think this is a course that he can manage his way around to finish top 40 at plus 240. And then Roberto, I'm with you, buddy, on Kevin Roy, 4-1. to one. I think right. that's uh, as long as he just can hit greens and hit fairways, that's what we need out of him. He's been doing it every single week for the past seven weeks, so I don't see it stopping now. And then, obviously, my boy Will Gordon, I will go down with the ship um until further notice but yeah um other than that i i just love spencer's card um, i'm excited for uh taylor moore and our boy jagerbaum here all right well i'm glad that you guys are both on taylor moore and uh nick you're on kevin roy because i've got my sleepers article coming out and i already wrote up my my part on taylor moore and i'm finishing it up on kevin roy um, love that. i also uh did bet taylor moore seven to one top 10 at bet three six five forgot to mention that one earlier uh, but outside of that, Kevin Roy and Justin Suh, top 40 are my other placement market bets. Spencer, your bread and butter is the 
tournament long matchups. Do you have any plays in that space this week? So I'm going to do something that you never see from me since these head to head matchups are not probably what they've been in years past. Mm-hmm. Shops on the legal front are incredibly aware of who they are putting against each other. It doesn't mean we can't find a bit of value here and there, but the 20 point threshold that I look for to recommend these plays on podcasts or even inside my articles are kind of preventing more of a headache than we have become accustomed to yearly. It has worked okay from a pre-tournament perspective. I believe I'm nine and one this year on those plays. Like that's obviously great, but we're talking about 10 bets through. I mean, I don't know how many tournaments we're at at this point. So only about a bet per week is actually making its way onto these cards. And, you know, I always talk about finding opponents to take on versus ones that I'm trying to back, but the fade candidates aren't necessarily producing much wiggle room from the way that I ran it. So if we look at the best names on the board for options that I would have wanted to oppose, and I'm going to list these because I actually think it's important for everybody listening out there. Maybe at one of your shops, you can find one of these matchups and go about it that way. Just want to get these names on as being golfers that I'm trying to take on. This would be the top 10 in order. Kevin Kisner, Eric Van Royen, Carson Young, Garrick Higo, Chad Rainey, Cameron Champ, Troy Merritt, David Lingmurth. As you can tell, there's a lot of players who performed last week that my model kind of wanted to take on. Gary Woodland. And then, I mean, I can't believe I'm saying this. Webb Simpson graded inside the bottom 10 candidates for me. Yes. I will very quickly (laughs) move past that last name since nobody wants to hear web fades on this podcast. I don't know who's editing this. Sophia, Noah, Matt, feel free to insert past audio of me saying Webb is the greatest golfer in the world. (laughs) or whatever that gets past that asinine comment that I just made. But the problem with everything I just mentioned would be that Van Royen, Young, Rainey, Champ, Lingmurth, Merritt, they don't even have bets on the legal side of the equation that you can take on. That's a problem. You can't fade someone that isn't being offered. On the flip side of the equation, you look at Garrett Kigo and Gary Woodland. I've probably lost five or six units trying to take on those two golfers over the past three or four events. I'm kind of just willing to chalk it up that my numbers might be a little bit behind the two-year perspective that I run things. I'm not going to keep putting dead money into wagers. And then if we look at Kisner and Simpson, it's where the problem even exudes further out there. We can find matchups of, you know, Kevin Streelman minus 150 over Kisner, Nick Taylor minus 158 over Webb. Regardless of what I think about those players, we've kind of been priced out of the market there. Um, So, That's the long answer to go back to the one bet that I'm going to make this week is Justin Thomas minus 120 over Jordan Spieth. I very, very rarely play star versus star. I think you are asking for problems when you do this. Um, My model doesn't even necessarily believe that Jordan Spieth is not a golfer that's going to perform this week. He's top five in my model, how I ran it. Here is where I am going with this. Justin Thomas is so by far and away with the way I ran my numbers the favorite to win this event. It has safety on him. Like you talked about Roberto. He really hasn't even been as bad as the public perceives him to be. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to try to get exposure to him. I can't get it in the outright market like I wanted it to. But if you're telling me that I can get a reasonable price against Jordan Spieth, it's not the minus 160s that are out there against Matthew Fitzpatrick. I would rather try to find exposure on Thomas, kind of buck my conventional wisdom that I like to take of finding a matchup or opponent that I want to fade and better golfer that I actually wanted to take on. Not something that I normally do. I just think it's a price that's off by about 20 points and really in a market where there's not too many head to head matchups that I wanted. That was the one doable one that made sense to me. 
you mentioned a lot of the players that you wanted to take on just weren't available or they were available at juiced prices. One of the things that I really like doing on this podcast is giving out the player market bets where we fade a player to finish X position or worse. And a lot of the guys that you mentioned, I was searching while you were saying their names and other ones I'd already looked up myself trying to fade them in that market. There just is no X position or worse available even to bet them on. Uh, we mentioned one a few weeks ago that we both really liked that didn't hit on Luke Donald at the Genesis, I believe, or actually yeah. no, maybe API. And yeah. he's not even available this week. Like I would have shoved some more money on the over the counter again to fade him again to, to miss the cut, but not an option this week. And that's pretty frustrating. But I like the JT over speed play. He JT hasn't putted well. Everybody knows this. And I think he's on his third putter already in the new year this week. So if he can just get that together. Obviously, there's way more upside, but his floor is a lot higher than Jordan Spieth's. And as everybody knows, Jordan Spieth was a Marine's knee away from not making the weekend last week. So <laughs> yeah, Jordan Spieth, uh, you never know what you're going to get. It's going to be awesome watching him on PJ Tour Live uh, featured and marquee groups as it is every week with Jordan Spieth. Uh, but the roller coaster ride will continue. Uh, there's no doubt about that. And I think Justin Thomas has an edge there as well. So I like that play. Yeah, it just comes down to a number grab at the end of the day, more than anything else. Like, I, I'm not, like, actively looking to take on Jordan Spieth. I think there's a lot of reasons to like him, but he's a volatile golfer. And if we're saying both players are shaky with the putter at times, which I think is a fair statement, like, Spieth isn't – Spieth's not a given to make some five-foot putts, specifically on fast screens. So, I uh, I love the ball striking that I've seen from Thomas recently, and, and I think, like – We've talked about it a lot on this show, and unfortunately, it never maturated to, or at least for me, I I don't want to speak for you guys, to really getting profit from it. How many times did we talk about Scotty Scheffler during the fall that Scotty Scheffler is going to win? He's going to win as soon as a putt goes in. Look, he lost putts last, or strokes putting last week, and he still won the tournament. And I don't know if I necessarily expect that from Thomas, but there's going to be a week that the putter is just average. And I think when the putter's average, he might win one of these events very soon. I agree with those savings. Um, I also wanted to ask you guys, one of the players you mentioned, Spencer, that you wanted to take on or were looking to take on your top 10 is available in the Bet365 player markets. And that is Webb Simpson, 57 or better at minus 120 or 58 or better minus 120. If you had to choose one or the world and make it get it right or the world ends, which one would you guys choose? Nick, I'll start <laughs> with you. Uh, I'll take the other side. I think he's just washed. Spencer. I'll say I'll say that Miscut. he finishes I'll say he finishes on the worst side of the equation here. Um I would probably like in an ideal situation would prefer a head-to-head matchup, but as we've kind of talked about, there's just nothing out there. So look, I don't hate it. Like I kind of lean towards him missing the cut if you made me force a decision here on it. It's not that he's so far off on my model, but like where he is off is the projected price point versus. I guess my actual price point for him. Uh, like it has him as a 50-50 fringe guy to make this cut. And I don't necessarily think the market has him priced that way in a lot of capacities, maybe in the matchup sense of it. Like obviously Nick Taylor being minus 158 against him is a really large number. And I think you kind of see some of the downside that might be expected on web here, but I'll, I'll say that he misses the cut and that pains me, obviously. Roberta, real quick, what is your lean? Because the putter has came alive the last two rounds. We haven't seen that in a while for him. Around the green, I think it's it's something you don't really need to worry about. But I just cannot find a way to confidently project what his 
ball striking is going to be out both off the tee and with his irons because his irons have gone his long irons are terrible this season like the worst they've ever been his short game still solid i just i don't know and i completely echo those sentiments i i looked up this market to specifically see his numbers earlier this week and when looking into the data i just was confused so it's a no bet for me but if i had yeah it's a stay away that's why i lean also yes yeah it's like he does flash i mean what he did at the api was fantastic that's the old web that you know spencer fell in love with and was addicted to for the last 10 years but and then you see last week at the players i think he was a bottom 10 ball striker or both rounds that he was out there was he not yeah absolutely if not worse (laughs) you don't want to mess with that kind of stuff either when water comes into play like that's kind of the problem you could if you were to tell me on thursday that web was inside the top 10 i believe it from an upside perspective but I also could see him making the cut and then finishing in dead last place of the people that make the cut. Like, I think that's a real trajectory that he could take this week. So um, I'm not going to necessarily, I I wanted a head to head matchup against an opponent that I was hoping I liked without that being out there. It's just probably a stay away in all capacities of web this week. Before we give you guys any more web Simpson than you can handle, here's a reminder that the links and locks podcast is proudly presented by bet 365, the world's favorite sports book brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer in New Jersey and Colorado. Bet $1, get $200 free. What more would you want $200 free for than the Valspar Championship this week? I can't imagine there's any other sporting event that's going on that would (laughs) attract your interest. Um, Guys, any other final plays before we get to the rapid-fire round? No, not for me. Like I I do have a bulky card in the placement market. Uh, Everything else is kind of condensed for me, but... It's going to be another one of those spots. I will be looking to take on some in-tournament head-to-head plays. I don't have anything specifically right now. I'm still waiting for markets to release. But if I do find anything, it will be in my Action Network article tomorrow for round one. Awesome. Nick, how about you? Let's fire away. I'm in. All right. So this is from an outright perspective. Whom you'd rather have, player A or player B, to win the tournament. Let's get it started with Jordan Spieth versus Matt Fitzpatrick. Nick, you first. Fitz. Spencer? I will say Jordan Spieth after everything I said. I just think there's still a lot of upside with him if it hits. Sam Burns or Adam Hadwin? Nick? Ooh. I'm going to go Sam Burns. I, I I get why people like Adam Hadwin, but it's still Sam Burns and showed a little bit last week. Obviously, he's extremely comfortable at this venue, but his form coming into this tournament the past two years is you know tenfold what it is right now, but I'm I'm not going to just fall in love with Adam Hadwin on it. And I know it seems like everybody at the John Deere last year too, when it was Webb and Adam Hadwin were the two best players and they both sucked that week. Like just because he's a, a one of the top names in this event, I'm I'm not going to fall in love. I'll take talent all day with Sam Birds. I love that you paired these two together. I actually think that Hadwin is not that far off from this mix. And that's one of the reasons why I'm hoping to try to find a live ad on him. But I agree with everything that Nick just said. Sam Burns is probably in at least by my math the second choice to win this tournament if not the third choice so uh i'm gonna still trust that at the end of the day and he is the back-to-back champion let's go with the guy who we've picked a winner on this podcast this year versus a guy who's never won on the pga tour keegan bradley or tommy fleetwood nick fleetwood you know i'm always picking fleetwood (laughs) um it seems like the public absolutely loves keegan bradley but what I'm seeing from bookmakers that I respect Fleetwood's hanging on. And I think 
his iron play, especially of late, has been on fire. He's a great short game player too. So I think what Innisbrook did to kind of take down some of that that fringe right around the green to make it that extra long rough that you guys talked about earlier, I think that's advantage Tommy Fleetwood. And there is water on the back nine, um, so I don't need to say anything about Kiki Bradley there. I'm I'm going to take Tommy Fleetwood, but I am a homer and I am a fanboy of Tommy Fleetwood. Spencer? I will say I'll say Keegan Bradley. Um, I think anytime you give him fast screens, we get a little bit more upside, and you have to love the weighted proximity numbers for him. Let's go with Davis Riley versus Denny McCarthy. Nick, oh god, <laughs> pass. Can I pass? <laughs> So for Davis, you don't Riley, like them or you like them both? I don't like either of them. Um, Denny, I just anytime that ball striking is, I mean, he's going to be accurate off the tee, but I hate his iron play. Davis Riley last year, um, he finished tied, I think, solo second, did he not? And especially on the DFS side too, we don't need to talk about that. But it seems like everybody is into Davis Riley. He's shorter than forty to one at some sports books, which is bizarre to me. But he is a terrible short game player and had the short game weekend of his life at Innisbrook last year. I think with the course changes too, that's something that goes against him. I'm going to call that an outlier week. I will go with Denny McCarthy because he's, you know, these are undulated greens. So they're short greens. So you probably are small greens, probably won't see a ton of three putts, but give me the guy who's, you know, could get the hottest putter on the planet with any player on the PGA tour. I'll take Denny. I'm pretty much completely out on Davis Riley this week in any facet of how you want to look at this, whether this is matchup bets or outrights or whatever market you want to go to. It's does, it doesn't matter. I'm out. Um, I don't know what McCarthy's upside ever is, but I think he's an intriguing play this week because of the putter. And I also think he adds a nice mixture of safety to the mix that you don't get with a lot of these guys. And obviously we're talking about who can win the golf tournament, but when the winning score is, like, in my opinion, it's not going to be 17 under par. I think they've made a concerted effort that this is going to be more difficult, more like it's played in years past. I don't know if that means it's eight under. I don't know if that means it's 12 under, but sounds like the type of tournament Denny McCarthy could win because of that safety if you tell me he gets to 11 under par. I had him last week on a bet that I made in February that I'd almost forgotten about, uh, but the putter was on fire for a bit of last week, and y'all, he was on the first page of the leaderboard for for quite a while as well. Let's do another one with a juxtaposition of styles of play. Gary Woodland or Mav McNeely? guy who can putt and a guy who just cannot putt right now. Nick? Ooh, give me Woodland. My numbers like him a lot. I have Woodland. My numbers spit out 28 to 1 on Gary Woodland. That is a bit alarming as I did factor in short game a lot. And he is extremely negative there. Um I'm going to go with Gary Woodland. I just have, I, I can never get Maverick McNeely right. And I'm not going to try to this week. So my model says Maverick McNeely. That's also a model that runs things from a two-year perspective. Kind of really like what I've seen from a ball striking perspective with Gary Woodland that I'm willing to admit that maybe these numbers recently are just a little bit far off from where they should be. So if we're talking about winning the actual golf tournament, Look, I mean, Gary Woodland is 12th for me for weighted tee to green. He's number one in strokes gain approach over his last 24 rounds. If that's not a style of play that could get hot and win this golf tournament, I don't know what is. So uh, I'm going to kind of buck my model here, and I'm going to say Gary Woodland. All right, I'm going to give you guys some bigger groups. Just tell me the name you like the most from an outright perspective this week. Ben Griffin, JT Poston, Brandon Wu, Joel Damon. Nick, you first. Poston, honorable mention, Wu. Spencer? That's probably the exact order that I would give to. Let's go Luke List, Victor Perez, 
B, or Benny on and Robbie or no, we mentioned Benny on uh, Nate Lashley. I will go Victor Perez. I will. It's very close on my numbers between Nate Lashley and Victor Perez. I guess to make it different, I will say Nate Lashley, but it's, it's very close. I, I like both of them. Perez, a guy who's done really well on the DP world tour. Haven't seen a lot of him this year on the PJ tour. What do you guys like about him? Nick you want to go first, Nick? <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, that he knows how to win an event, one, <laughs> would be nice uh, for outrights. Um, but I don't. I liked him at Augusta last year, and it didn't work out for me. I've kind of been a, a Victor Perez guy, but I always prefer guys that are uh, sponsored by Ping. That's uh, my brand of choice. But I'm just going with the form, and he he's already won this year in a pretty good tournament already, um, but it was on the DP World Tour. He has not had the success on the PGA Tour like we've talked about, but I'll take Victor Perez, just talent alone. I think he's a much better player than Nate Lashley. Yeah, it just comes down to the strokes gain total that I ran from a weighted perspective. He's 12th in my model in that capacity. He's 50th when I run it on any generic course. Obviously, I'm not running a ton of stats from him. Like, I don't have a ton of PGA Tour information. But even with the limited sample size that I do have, he graded as a top 20 person in my model. And we don't always see that from the European contingent that gets thrown or for anybody from any part of the country that kind of comes in on a small sample size here. So uh, I, I think Perez is an intriguing choice that I trust what we have seen in tournaments that are not really that much weaker than this. If you really look at some of those fields, like you have some quality fields overseas that he has performed well in historically. All right. Last one, guys. From an outright perspective, Bo Hostler, Johnny Vegas, Eric Cole, Tyler Duncan, Will Gordon, and Webb Simpson. That's pretty easy for me. Uh, Will Gordon, but I will go honorable mention Bo Hostler. Uh, Tyler Duncan. He was very, very close to making my card from an outright perspective. I have a first round leader bet on him that I, I sort of like, and I decided to go that route with it. But I think Duncan has legitimate let's call it top 20 equity in this event. But uh, if he won this, I would not be shocked. And um, he's an intriguing play this week. I'll leave it at that. All right. Good stuff, guys. That'll do it for today's episode. And thanks for joining us here at Links and Locks presented by Bet365. For more great golf content from our Action Network, from our Action Network team, check out our Best Bets episode from earlier this week featuring our own Jason Sobel and the PJ Tour's Ben Everill as they quickly run down their top plays for the Valspar Championship. Be sure to check out actionnetwork.com and the Action app for all of our great golf betting and DFS content. Spencer's going to have his article tomorrow and probably some more later this weekend. I'll have my article out later tonight, which you'll be able to hear once this podcast goes live. You can find Nick on Twitter at StixPicks. That's Sticks with an X. Nick, where else can we find your work this week? At Win Daily. Awesome. Spencer, uh, you can find him at T-Off Sports. That's T-E-E-O-F-F-S-P-R-T-S. Spencer, where else can we find your work this week? Yeah, so you can find all of the DFS stuff that Nick and I did over at Better Golf Pod. Uh, you can find a lot of my written content that I have this week at Rotoballer. You can get my model there. And as you alluded to, Roberto, I will have, I I do two Turn in tournament plays from a weekend perspective of it. I always post a Saturday night article. I uh, whether it's Thursday or Friday usually just ends up coming down to which board I like better from a head-to-head market. I like to give head-to-head plays for everybody who reads my work if there is something that checks the boxes for me. And then 
yeah, I will have the round one play over at Action Network tomorrow also. So be sure to check that out. Awesome. You can find me at Roberto A213. I'm not doing much else this week. Uh, next week, unclear. We haven't figured out the logistics for the show, but I'll be on PJ Tour Live. So you can catch me on some of those streams for the match play next week. Got to play the course at Austin Country Club just last week. So uh, hopefully you should have some more insights on that coming up. And hopefully we can make the podcast work next week, although I'm not allowed to give out picks. So very excited for next week here in my hometown of Austin, Texas. And hopefully we catch a few winners this week heading into then. So thanks for everyone for tuning in this week. I want to say thanks to everyone who makes this podcast possible, starting with you, the listeners or the viewers on YouTube. And we also want to thank our producers, Noah, Sophia, and Matt. Thanks to Spencer and Nick for joining me this week. And here's to hoping we all hit the green. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.